This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner and Momenta Partners, and welcome to our Digital Leadership Series. In this series of conversations, we're highlighting some of the best and brightest minds and practitioners in the business as we focus on their journeys into digital transformation, what they learned, what their successes were, what the challenges were, along with lessons that are relevant for you today. We hope you enjoy our explorations and get value from it. And always, we look for your feedback and suggestions. Good day, everyone. And this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners. And today, our guest is uh, JT. He's, his name is actually Jean Turgeon, but everybody calls him JT. He is the VP and CTO for Digital Transformation in Avaya. And today, we're going to explore some of his experiences and thoughts and dive into uh, the perspective around uh, digital transformation. So, uh, JT, it's, it's great to have you on. Thanks, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for for having me. Uh, there's so much to talk about, so I look forward to it. Great. Well, let's let's start first with a little bit of your background. Could you share, uh, you know, some of your uh, some of your experience and and really what has led you to uh, to your current role and and focus on digital transformation? Well, I, I started my career um, all the way back in uh, 1982, 83 timeframe. So it's been uh, quite a journey. Uh, from the uh, the, you know, the lovely um, IBM mainframes, if you want, or the fully centralized platforms, and uh, I kind of navigated through uh, the evolution of uh, a series of technology waves. Um, we uh, we like to say that every ten years, there's a major disruption happening in the market. So I've been through a, a few of those, and then um, I was always uh, driven by technology. I was the f- I know one of the first, if not the first, one to raise. Um, his hand, you know, to uh, endorse something new, learn something new. Uh, so I was always kind of focused on uh, on that aspect to drive to the next level. And uh, through that, um, and uh, you know, as I evolved my career, I played various roles. I, I believe across uh, pretty much any organization. So from marketing to sales to technical marketing to uh, support to professional services to product line management to uh, leading an entire business unit uh, with substantial uh, budgets to develop a new innovative, innovative technology. Uh, but then I'd say over the last uh, six or seven years, uh, we um, you know, obviously it, it became apparent in the market that uh, the consolidation of various technology was going to be the way to go. It was no longer about a single vendor solution. It was about bringing the right technology together to deliver on uh, new experiences. And obviously the buzzwords were not all there at the moment. Uh, but that's when I started to focus on bringing um, our own technology. Uh, that as I transitioned from Nortel to Avaya, um, how do we create something unique? How do we create something differentiated? And then uh, as I saw the industry transform and the, the type of engagements that we were having with customers was uh, transitioning from very technology-oriented to very line-of-business and business priorities-oriented. So uh, that's where I've been focusing in the last... Um, I'd say six, seven years, uh, very extensively in the last five, and uh, you know this is why you know it's so exciting to be engaged in 
looking at the various industries and what's um, what's happening out there and how um, new services applications are being consumed. So, so it's exciting times. Great. Could you talk a bit about your your role in uh, enabling IoT, at least as a, as a before we dive into a tran- digital transformation, we'd love to look at the, well, what we call this term, uh, Internet of Things, or we like to call it connected industry, and, and, and how, uh, how you've looked at that from, from your perspective. Well, I, IOTs, um, and the way I simplify it is I, I, the IoT platform and analytics are going to come and fuel digital transformation and personalization. Uh, we're all you know, wearing um, some type of IoT. Uh, we're consuming them. We're installing them. And look at smart homes, smart buildings. But the key is, as we start deploying various sensors, technology, or various smart devices um, in in all kinds of technology, including connected cars, and and the list goes on and on. We have to look at uh, all of the analytics output. And we have to make sense of all of this in real time to truly be transformative. Think about you know, crisis situations. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of times we, we tend to focus on unfortunate and negative type of you know, uh, circumstances, you know, bombing and shootings. And, uh, but think about uh, you know, your, your heart rate you know, slowly you know, become, becoming abnormal. The key is, is to take you know, this input in real time and in real time notify you know, the right people to be able to take action in real time and hopefully have a, a positive outcome. So there are a, a series of examples of where IOTs can be consumed. But to me, it's all about, um, you know, I know it's a, a term that is used and abused these days, but it's, it's about positive outcomes or changing the outcomes to uh, something as positive as possible. And, and IOTs are going to continue to play a very, very strategic role as we look at this. Uh, but I also like to combine that the, because of the analytics, right? So it's great to have sensors, but if you don't have a powerful analytics platform that make uh, you know, sense of all of this data being gathered in real time, hence it ties to artificial intelligence, assistance, and so on. Uh, but as we talk more about digital transformation, uh, this is going to be a critical component of delivering something in real time that is really impactful. Yeah, let's uh, let's move a little bit downstream and talk about the term digital transformation and and really, uh, you know how how do you define digital transformation and the the, the you know what. What differentiates digital transformation from, say, earlier uh, earlier waves of techno- technologically driven change? Well, and this is really a tough one. I, and I know it's. I'm sure you've asked that question to many people, and then you probably got as many answers as you've talked to people. But I, I look at digital transformation as uh, a way to transform experiences and provide choices to a broad population set that will be consuming services, you know, um, in different ways. Uh, you, you, you look, in, and my role is global, so we're looking at various adoption rates of technology, right? If you, if you look at some areas around the world where uh, dictatorship prevails, I know things are moving sometimes a little faster for, obviously, um, uh, some good reasons. Uh, but when you look at, you know, the, uh, I know, uh, you know uh, countries where uh, technology adoption is not really at the same pace, 
well, I, I still see digital transformation happening. Now, it, it may not be as advanced, it may not be as complete, it may not consume all of the technology, uh, but everybody is transforming. And, and you can look at you know, uh, some third countries you know, where they're starting to leverage social media and they're leveraging you know, the, the digital content to start promoting their services where you know, maybe 10 years ago that was just not possible. So it's, it's really, again, adapting, providing choices, allowing the technology to be consumed in the preferred choice of the consumer. Um, and I could go on and on. I always, um, and maybe people will get tired of this, but I always talk about my dad. Um, he's uh, 86 years old, and uh, obviously digital content is not his preferred methodology of consumption. So he likes to talk to people. He likes to go to physical locations, being the bank, the retail store, and whatever. And to me, in the end, uh, there's still some digitization of the content that he will be consuming. But you know, his adoption and consumption rate will be different. So I know it's a vague answer. It's wide open. But to me, uh, again, I'd summarize it. Give customer choices, let them consume services the way they want and prefer, and start enabling them to have access to those services and, and, and let them uh, move at their pace. No, I think the way you answered it, JT, is uh, it, it's it's unique, and I, that's what I love about uh, about asking the question because it, you know every every perspective is uh, is different and brings it brings a different you know brings it brings a different nuance to the to the concept. I'd love to learn, learn a little bit more about you know the work that you're doing at Avaya and you know from from the perspective of Avaya to just talk a little bit about uh, about your role and 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 some of the uh, some of the work that you're doing uh, as as a you know to help really define uh, your mission and and then some of the you know some of the outcomes that you are are focused on. Yeah, and as I mentioned. Um, Every industry is transforming um, somewhat differently. There's obviously some convergence and consumption of similar technologies in, in different ways. But uh, what we started to do is, is about five years ago, we, uh, we decided to put and double down on um, the understanding of various industry and, and what digital transformation meant for them. And we started to look at uh, which vertical industries we uh, we had a deeper understanding, and one of them was healthcare. And we we spent a lot of time, um, you know, understanding and, and dedicating resources, hiring external industry experts, not necessarily technology experts, but industry experts that understood the patient, you know, uh, experiences that were desired, uh, the care team, and and kind of kind of a. Uh, effectiveness, or you know, how do we you know help them uh, become much more efficient? Uh, what tools are required? And then that that kept on expanding, and I can go into uh, more details. Uh, but that's not where we stopped. We also looked at uh, public safety in a big way. Um, public safety today we we separate into two different areas: one, enterprise safety, which is um, you know, applicable to various industries, being healthcare, education. Uh, sports venues, uh, convention centers, malls, and whatever, where safety of citizens, right, employees, uh, customers are, are critical. But also the traditional um, public service access point, the PSAP market, where you know, the traditional 911 voice services are no longer adequate uh, because we live in a mobile world. So when you 
uh, you know, you're uh, on the road and you're dialing 911 from your cell phone, um, how do we locate you? Well, the XYZ coordinates, I know, is uh, easier with GPS and all sorts of technology embedded into our smart devices. Um, but what if you're on the uh, an old 32nd floor of a building? How do I know where you are when you dial? So the XYZ coordinates you know, becomes a challenge as we live in the mobile world. So we dedicate a lot of time to work with you know, our own development capabilities, look at third-party vendors that were focused on, on um, you know, enhancing some of those capabilities to really deliver something um, that is uh, you know, futuristic to some extent, but realistic because it's, it's now possible today. So this is another area of focus that we uh, really, really double down on. And maybe the, uh, there are so many others, but another one that we really uh, help transform is around uh, the hospitality. And hospitality is, uh, you know, if you look at what's different today than it was 10 years ago when you check into a hotel, not a whole lot of difference. So we have to start consuming digital content much better. Uh, we have to enable net new services. The um, on-facility experience has to be transformed because, you know, people don't like to, you know, when they check in and they arrive at the hotel to wait in line, despite the fact you've been there 17 times in the last year, they still ask you for your ID. They still ask you for, you know, your uh, credit card. They give you, a, you know, a, most of the time a plastic key, and you're lucky if it works when you get to your room. So all of these things, we have the ability to transform. So we've also focused on uh, bringing new experiences for the in-room experience and, and personalization to, um, you know, the on-facility uh, new services that are you know, available throughout. Um, and again, um, say a safety aspect, which is also I know, very critical to those. And I could go on and on and on about financial services, insurance, retail, and so on. But uh, I'll, I'll pause back and, and pass it back to you. No, that's, that's so really, much to talk about here. Absolutely. So I, I think it's really fascinating. If we could just take one or two uh, areas, for instance, um, Healthcare is just a, ready for massive transformation, uh, and and also you know, safety in, in public spaces. I mean, how uh, when you're working with a client, uh, how do you go about assessing what opportunities there are that you can uh, you could digitize or apply technologies to, and and really prioritize those so that you can ensure that you'll have a a successful outcome. Well, I, I think the uh, many people would uh, would agree and acknowledge what I'm going to say. Right? It's is about bringing um, you know various organizations that used to be um, somewhat siloed um, and bring them together. And by this, I, I mean the the IT used to you know uh, deliver technology and and the, uh, the line of businesses and the, you know the uh, the employees would consume it. Now it's it's about the line of business that want to transform uh, what they offer from an experience point of view to again either the citizens if you look at I know the smart city concept or smart communities uh, could be your employees if you want to you know drive effectiveness um, or or it could be uh, your customers that you're trying to offer services to so the key is to bring uh, the two together. Uh, because alignment is what will allow the right level of acceleration and transformation. And uh, where we've been successful is where we've helped IT 
and, and I, I don't want this to sound negative in any way, but it's to help increase the relevance uh, of IT towards what the line of business owners want uh, to get out of digital transformation or business transformation. And it, I, I can assure you that it's magical when you have the two in the same room discussing their business priorities and seeing how IT can positively contribute as opposed to sometimes go and shop for various technology and applications that will just further you know, uh, make things worse when it comes to silos of technology, making it extremely difficult to integrate or definitely more difficult to integrate, and, and therefore adding complexity and slowing things down as opposed to accelerating. So that that's where uh, we, we've seen uh, a lot of successes uh, by bringing these folks together, uh, open conversation. And from there, I'm telling you, the business priorities are clearly outlined and called out, and then we just have to prioritize and, and start executing. That's a theme that that is recurring in in our conversations about digital transformation. Really, that that need to bridge the cultures of uh, line of business or operational technologies and uh, and and also industrial technologies. And you know, I'd love to get your uh, your thoughts on some best practices for for setting up. Uh, appropriate goals and 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 benchmarks uh, to um, when you're when you're kicking off a project initially, you know how do you how do you ensure that the you know the the you're you're measuring the right things if you so that you can tell whether a project is off on the right foot and uh, and and you're able to kind of keep it on track if you need to course correct in 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 the midst of it. Well, I, I think uh, I know a lot of people probably use um, and have heard of the agile I know, uh, model. It's it's about um, digital transformation is about small wins, but a series of small wins that I know, will contribute to the the end goal of the uh, transformation that is desired. And uh, there are definitely measurements, but in the past, again, we we always looked at ROI mainly from a financial point of view. Uh, digital transformation is about, as I said earlier, uh, the broad set of population consumption. And sometimes there's no financial ROI. It's about transforming the experience of your citizens in this community. And that means that your your community, your city has to make an investment to help attract you know, new talent, attract citizens to stay in the city and so on. So depending on which industry, which market opportunity you're looking at, we have to take different angles. And if you look at some um, you know, organizations, they may use NPS scores because um, you know it's it's been in the 20s or you know in the uh, teens, and uh, you know they want to start you know offering new services, and therefore NPS could be a good measurement for them um, as they continue to do surveys with their customers by opening new digital channels, giving them more choices. So rather than having to call us and being able to go to a website and engage into a web chat with either a machine or maybe a human being at some point, but being able to get you know, assistance and, and the ability to not being put on hold, but have the ability to know that, hey, someone can call me back um, at, at this precise time or the whole time is going to be five minutes. So there are different measurements you know, um, that, uh, we can leverage from a return on this investment. 
Um, but I, I, my, my key here is that it's not always just a financial benefit to the organization. It's sometimes about, um, and I, I don't like the, the term doing more with less because I think it, it's misleading, but it's making your people much more effective to better perform their functions and therefore, you know, indirectly, they will, they will do more, right? But effectiveness of, of employees, effectiveness of your, of your teams, uh, you know, making the experience uh, easier to be consumed for your customers and citizens, um, I, I think this, these are new ways to measure you know, and, and deliver some metrics uh, that people can look at and see how impactful the technology adoptions have been. Are there some best practices in aligning an organization appropriately to uh, really to to ensure success that you've seen? And and I'd be interested to see if there are you know, differences in the types of industries or or organizations that you've worked with. Whether there's a um, where there may be a an approach that can can really help to uh, really drive disruptive or new ideas effectively into into an organization where there there might be resistance well and uh, I think we, we we cannot distance ourselves from from IT right I, the technology still has to evolve and sometimes has to be changed and therefore staying close if you have a strong relationship with IT just make sure that they know uh, what what is what I refer to as the art of the possible. What could they be implementing? What technology is available to them? And then uh, give them a sense as to what other transformation the industry is ongoing to get that, get them outside of this comfort zone of, of just being technology-oriented. And by the same token and in parallel, go in a, and, and discuss with the line of business owners as to what do they see as their priorities? What technology um, is you know, uh, preventing them, or, or what do they think of the adoption rate and the consumption rate uh, of various technology that will help them transform? And once you have a better understanding of that, is is to again bring them to a set of priorities that you know either you've defined and shared with them, uh, but by bringing these two uh, together. Uh, to, to me, this is what has made us the, the most successful, and I, I'm not sure there's a, an old, you, I would call that a best practice, but it, it's it's how we've we've seen the adoption move as quickly as possible, is by again uh, making sure that both of them have awareness of all of the technology and some of the challenges that they may be facing, if the right framework is not um, set aside, you know, at, at first and. Um, I like to call it the customized digital framework. Uh, I use graphically, if you were to see this, you know, pieces of uh, puzzles, because those pieces need to be customized, and, and you need to be able to interchange various technologies that will align to the various industries um, as you listen to the line of business priorities, and then you know, understand also what IT challenges um, they're facing from a deployment and implementation model. Yeah, that's a real, uh, I mean, a huge, huge challenge, right? There's so much technology to choose from with so many choices. You, many people have to face that, that paradox of choice, of course, that, uh, that creates a 
you know, a bigger uh, a bigger challenge and uh, more decisions to be made than necessarily I think people realize out of the uh, out of the gate. You know what are what are some of the risks as you as you look at uh, undertaking a uh, you know digital transformation project? I mean, in in your experience, are there uh, are are there some risks or or lessons that uh, that jump out at you in in your experience? Yeah, I, I think uh, I mentioned the, uh, and maybe to complement the previous answer, is like the agile concept you know, uh, is very powerful. You know, having small uh, little implementations, small little projects that, that you know, people can, can very quickly see benefits from. Uh, th- this is, uh, again, a very impactful. The, uh, you know, the uh, acceleration is is key to help transform um, you know what what the outcomes will be. So uh, as we look at you know uh, kind of transforming uh, the uh, these experiences, uh, the more the more we we can you know start aligning um, to smaller initiatives uh, and and gaining velocity and not try to boil the ocean. What we've also seen is. I know there's so many buzzwords out there. You, we, we started talking about IoT, but we didn't even touch on artificial intelligence and all of its subcomponents being machine learning, natural language processing. And people have to come to realize that machine learning has to you know, happen at a slow pace. And trying to expect too much too quickly could be disappointing and drive to you know, uh, pe- people feeling that they're failing. So I think it's these series of small wins, understanding that the technology has to learn, the technology has to evolve, and things don't happen overnight. So that's why I like the concept of the, the small projects, the small wins, small celebration, and, and the bus, I know, and the wheel keeps turning. And, uh, and, and this is what I always warn people is, um, you know, you're surrounded by eight, ten major technology trends and adoption today. If you're trying to consume consume them all, being IOTs and various you know business intelligence analytics, and then uh, you know artificial intelligence and natural language processing and speech analytics and and all of this, and you try to bring all this at the same time together, it's likely going to you know create some challenges, and eventually, to me, it's just too much to consume. Um, and then maybe you may have to push the reset button. So try to stay away from that. Again, smaller consumption models, smaller projects, smaller wins will uh, achieve, in my opinion, better goals and, and better outcomes. Now that's uh, that's great insight as well. And I think that that getting those uh, those initial you know flagship flagship wins, as it were, or or the you know the small steps are are are. A key theme that uh, that we hear uh, recurring in in terms of success. Now, you brought up artificial intelligence, and would love to drill in a bit and get a sense of uh, your your insights and and uh, you know, your your views on the current mania. I'll say, I guess it is, or there's there's certainly a lot of attention on AI, and understand you know where do you think that there may be some misperceptions or uh, 
I guess, over, overly misplaced expectations about the potential and power of AI and what you know ultimately you see as the as the as the real uh, the true opportunities that uh, that machine learning technologies and and some of the other uh, variants of AI can can deliver. Yeah, I, I think the the one that I um, consistently uh, have to answer is um, AI is here to steal our jobs, um, and uh, I, I think it's a big misperception. Um, in the market, I, I think AI is still in a uh, in a learning you know phase. There's um, you know the AI implementations today are mainly there to assist, not to replace. And there's huge benefit of having an AI assist a human being, a contact center agent, being you as a personal consumer. Think of the Alexa or. Uh, Google Assistant or Siri experiences, right, where you now have your personal AI assistant that can help you find the cheapest flight um, that is available you know, in, in those time frames. So that concept is highly beneficial, and we're, we're consuming this you know, slowly. But it's not about replacing me. It's not about replacing travel agency. It's just about helping me do research and become much more educated before I may you know, have to engage with a human being. So I, I think this is uh, where we, we don't want to over-rotate on um, you know, these kind of misperception in the market where uh, people turn around and decide to, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say reject the technology, but resist the technology. Look at it, understand it, understand its benefit. Don't focus on some of the negative noise that is out there. I always remember, I know my mom years and years ago when robots entered the manufacturing and you know, automotive uh, industry, and I remember clearly at the tables like, my God, what will our kids do? Right? Will they have jobs? And, and guess what? Um, you know, the the world evolves, and we continue to evolve with the technology adoption, and uh, you know, there's always new things that will come about. So. I think when it comes to AI, just leverage it, embrace it. And I always encourage people to um, you know, go and purchase uh, an Alexa or Google, uh, Google Home. Play with that technology. Get yourself familiar. You'll see huge benefit. And a lot of people that I recommend this to very quickly get into smart homes, and, and they really enjoy the ride. And, and to me, this is a great way to get familiar with the technology, adopt it, embrace it, and evolve with it. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, one of the, the conversations we've been having recently has, uh, you know, has come down to ethics about the you know predictive capabilities of of analytics, and I guess when you're dealing with with pure operational uh, use cases of, of AI, whether it's optimization or just uh, voice response, that's that's not really a an issue, but. Yeah, would love to get your your thoughts on yeah how how AI can really enhance certain you know certain uh, certain solving certain business problems in in ways that we haven't been able to do before and and certainly with uh, with co communications of course being. Are there some use cases that you're particularly optimistic about? Well, I, I'm sure a lot of people would probably take this and say healthcare is an, an obvious one, right? So the uh, sophistication of um, 
you know, um, uh, analytics when it comes to, uh, you know, leveraging the smart devices to take a picture of, you know, uh, take an example of your skin to determine if this is, uh, you know, a potential threat, you know, for uh, skin cancer, being able to upload this to your digital, you know, health insurance uh, organization. Their AI-based analytics determines that they, you know, this, this, this looks bad and then schedule an appointment. Um, all this could be fully automated. Um, so there, there's a lot of positive outcomes, you know, that can come uh, from these type of examples. So I, I think that people need to look at, um, you know, some of the the good outcomes, right? Uh, there's uh, obviously uh, the the ethics and privacy is always and always comes to play um, because of tracking, um, because uh, people are paranoid that you know there's voice recording and all happening, and does these devices listen to us? In the end, I always look at it, and and I know I, I oversimplify it, but if you see benefit of that technology, you're less likely to resist consuming it. And I, I I'll use the example of a uh, uh, you know a location, and if you're walking into the hotel, and then you get as you approach the hotel in in your Uber or taxi or Lyft, whatever that is, and then they detect that you're just about to arrive and you receive a digital key on your smart device that you know, doesn't ask you or force you to go wait in line. You already have your room. You get to your room, and your entire room is completely personalized, which means the temperature is set the way you like it. The, you know, uh, the lights are set the way you like it. The TV you know, doesn't just display your name, but your Netflix, your Spotify, your Pandora, all of these things are logged in, just like you experience when you come at home. Then I think, you know, when people look and have those type of experiences, then I think, you know, we, uh, we are more likely to consume it, adopt it, and embrace it. And, and maybe just not to use just hospitality, but think about uh, the number of times you've gone for an appointment being, you know, to a hospital and you get near the hospital and it takes you 25 minutes you know, to uh, find a parking. What if we're, we were to allow you, you know, through a smart app, through the location, to send you, you know, where you should be parking based on your location? So those are just simple examples where smart parking can make your life much easier. The fact that I'm tracking your location on your smart device may irritate and, and uh, get to know people bent out of shape sometimes. But uh, in the end, I think, is, as I said, when, when people start benefiting from the, you know, the consumption model and the ability for, you know, uh, for personalization, I think the, uh, the adoption rate is going to be increasing you know, substantially. Yeah, I think you're, you make a great point, which is that if the, if the benefits are explicit and you have people that are able to opt in to the use of their, that, you know, their identity and, and their data, to, to directly to benefit, I think it's uh, that's that's a much that's that's much easier to sell. Um, I'd be interested to get your your take on on some of the other tech. You did mention there are a lot of other technologies that are uh, that are converging right now, and it, it's easy to be be a bit overwhelmed. But uh, I know in you know in in your blog on Avaya, or you blogged on the Avaya blog, and and we'll uh, we'll link to to that in the, in the show notes. But would love to get your thoughts on on certainly 
the capabilities and potential of, of blockchain and uh, and and any other uh, technologies such as you know uh, autonomous cars or AR and VR uh, that uh, that you know that you see uh, great potential uh, up ahead. Yeah, no, uh, blockchain is is one that uh, comes up more frequently. We uh, we at Avaya, you know, chose to consume the technology, and it was mainly towards um, you know helping us provide uh, secure uh, biometrics access uh, in in the context of um, as you as I mentioned, I think a few times already, it's about personalization of services. If I'm just providing a digital experience that is not personalized, which means you detect I'm on a smart mobile device and you just redirect me to a website that is not personalized, I'm not going to get too excited about that, right? But if you, uh, you know, implemented the ability to do a biometrics authentication where you have a high, liver, high degree of certainty of me being the caller, which means that you're now eliminating the fact that my kids or my spouse right, may have access to my smart devices. They may even have their you know, fingerprints locally stored to give them access or username, password access. So by doing voice biometrics and you know, facial biometrics, storing the hash that allows you to open the record of this biometrics you know, achieves multiple things. My degree of certainty that JT is JT and therefore I can now start opening data records that are confidential, and I am confident that I can do that without violating privacy. Um, so those are great examples where uh, if I have that capability, uh, then again, blockchain becomes a great use. And, and by the same token, the fact that this technology can track all transactions, if someone was to you know, change or you know, any records being changed along the way, we have a complete tracking mechanism, hence why the financial industry, retail industry are embracing that. So that's just one example. There are uh, many other you know, technologies that we've been looking at, such as quantum computing and, and others. But um, I know it's, they're, they're, there's so much out there that uh, <laughs> I, I, it's a bit overwhelming, I, I, right? Yeah, it, it is. It becomes overwhelming, and uh, I'm not sure which uh, which other one you wanted me to to talk about. Them. Um, uh, oh well, I and I was just was getting was was interested in in high level impressions. I'd I'd be interested to get your perspective on any differences uh, regionally. Uh, you'd mentioned, I mean, Advaya is a, is a global organization, and and adoption of certainly the adoption of uh, IoT or industrial IoT is uh, does have you know different engagement in uh, you know between North America, Europe, and Asia. Uh, different involvement of government. I would love to get your perspective of, um, you know, how, how, you know, where where you see some of the the most you know forward thinking uh, leadership in non you know in non technical industries and and where there may be some distinct differences or advantages uh, across the regions. Well, industrial IoT obviously ties to uh, you know a lot of the sensors technologies. Being uh, you know think of uh, agriculture, uh, so that that industry is is in many areas in many uh, areas around the world the fastest consuming of IoT technology out there, and all this to 
uh, improve uh, the probability of a good crop, right? Um, you know, by controlling the, the soil temperature, the humidity, uh, you know, in, in many other things that you know, many other experts would do a better job at describing than me. Uh, but uh, in the uh, you, you mentioned automotive industry as well. You, you look at what's happening in Europe with e-call, where you know, all, all connected cars, um, when airbags deployed, have to immediately call for emergency. Um, you know, the car has to uh, you know, provide its exact location based on GPS coordinates. Uh, so those are all things that are, are going to be benefiting uh, the consumers of, of those technologies out there. So it's happening at different pace. You mentioned, you know, the regulations or, uh, you know, endorsement laws, um, things are, are, are changing. We've been, um, you know, driving some in regards to public safety, which ties to this e-call concept in, in the European market. Um, you may uh, know about the carries law uh, that uh, change. Uh, in the U.S., uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, it became a law by uh, uh, Mr. Trump, you know, um, uh, last year. Uh, so those are all things that we've been heavily involved in, you know, continuing to push the envelope and and help, uh, you know, the consumption model of of all of this technology. And, and this is kind of goes back to how we open, right? IoT has so many different personalities and and so many different use cases. Uh, we just touched on, on three completely distinct industries and all consuming that technology in different ways with very positive outcomes in the end. So as we look forward uh, over the next several years, uh, I'd just love to get your sense of, of areas where you have a lot of optimism and uh, you know where you're excited about you know real uh, Transformative potential and any any concerns that you might have, things that are things that are keeping you up at night. Well, I think healthcare is is um, one industry that's transforming extremely rapidly. We, I, I think, it's easy to see how, how the retail industry is transformed. Um, that's uh, we've seen so many giants uh, completely transform that industry in such a rapid pace. Uh, those are. Uh, two examples um, that uh, I believe will be profound um, impact uh, from a consumer point of view. Um, I believe hospitality is one that has to change. Um, I, I would even bundle this with education. Um, you look at some of these industries where what's different now than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. And uh, I know we didn't talk about education, but uh, kids still have to go to class, right? They still have to physically go to a building to be able to get the education that they need. Very few schools, universities, and colleges and all have very advanced uh, remote um, education or remote learning capabilities. It's not because the technology is not there. The adoption rate has just not been embraced, um, but I know with all of the things that are ongoing, you know, so if, you, if we can start enabling the ability for uh, a student to attend class and be an active participant, uh, you had mentioned uh, virtual reality, which I forgot to mention earlier, but if you want the undivided attention of someone today, and we all know, you know, based on all the statistics, the attention spend because of all the digital you know, consumption disruptions we have around us, Virtual reality brings and immerses you in that one experience at that time. You can't look at your phone 
and your SMS while you're immersed in this virtual reality or mixed uh, reality experience. So those are usually beneficial, but if I can now communication enable that virtual experience, this is where pieces of technology are all coming together. So those are, uh, again, to me, uh, great examples of profound impact that we will see transforming industries, transforming the educational market, transforming, I know, healthcare, and the list goes on and on. And, and as I, uh, I told you when we, uh, we first talked, uh, we, we can go on and on for, for hours and hours about the various industries and use cases that we foresee out there. Yeah, it's it is pretty pretty exciting. So, um, I would just like to uh, wind up by asking if you have any resources that you we might be able to share with with our listeners. Uh, anything that you might uh, uh, any resources that you might be able to recommend? Well, uh, there's uh, all sorts of books. I mean, to, to me, uh, I, I always um, uh, when and people ask me is look at the major technology trends. Just get yourself familiar with those. Um, find the ones that have, uh, that are of interest and you know, to you. Uh, you you already brought I you know so many critical ones that uh, will be adopted and consumed um, in uh, either at present or in the future. Uh, but read up. I know we we have this great thing you know, known as the internet. There's so much knowledge out there. There's so much data that is available and easily accessible. Uh, get familiar. AI is a big machine, but it has so many subcomponents that if you are looking at digital transformation and business transformation, this, this is definitely a component you don't want to ignore. Um, you, you talk about security; don't underpin the security and compliance requirements. Um, IOTs uh, are huge. Blockchain exploding, uh, and, and it is a very complex topic. And and now we, we're, we're seeing technologies such as, uh, or trends called digital twins. And, um, you know, uh, again, speech analytics, uh, all of those. So I, I don't have a, uh, there's, there's not one book that covers it all. There's not one website or one organization that does you know, um, all of these things in great detail. So I think it's up to each individual to get into the discipline of doing some research and uh, some learning at their own pace. Um, but uh, all I can say is it's exciting times. That This industry is moving uh, at the fastest pace that I've ever seen. Uh, it's, uh, you're not going to get bored if you get into uh, and all those type of uh, and all learning experiences. So I encourage everyone to do so. No doubt, it really is a. It's an amazing, an amazing time, and and there's just uh, almost an overwhelming amount of, uh, of of information and insights that uh, that are out there. And uh, well, JT, I've, I've really appreciated talking to you and and uh, value your your insights. It's great to hear uh, hear your perspective on digital transformation, technology, and and change. And uh, once again, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners, and our guest has been. Uh, JT, who is the VP and CTO for Digital Transformation at Avaya. Uh, thanks once again, JT, for joining us. Well, my pleasure, Ed, and uh, I look forward to uh, hearing some comments and feedback. Um, as you said, there's so much more we could talk about. So, so thank you for giving me the opportunity, and I look forward to uh, hopefully doing this again. Terrific. Terrific. 
This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners, with an episode of our Digital Leaders series. Please check our website at momenta.partners for archived versions of prior podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digitization journey. 